right. Praise the Lord. He is good. One prophetic word can change somebody's life forever. We're doing this from the front, but every single one of you has the Spirit of God in you. Every single one of you can hear God and can minister to someone. You know, I've, I'm a pastor now. I get to get up in front of you all the time. But you know what? I was not a pastor for a long time. And there was, there's not many doors I wouldn't walk in where the Lord wouldn't give me a word for somebody. And I gave it to him every day. Go to churches I'd never been to, and the person in front of me, the Lord would speak to me, and I'd go give them a word after church. You don't, have, you don't need this to minister to people. And we're doing it in front of people so that faith's built up and we can all grow through this process because it does release an atmosphere of faith when we see God moving. Uh, the, the other day, I'm at the store, and God speaks to me for this guy there, and I share the word with him. And the next thing you know, I'm, I'm leaving. And he's like, man, I love you. I love you. <laughs> he don't know me. But all of a sudden, he loved me. Now, why am I saying that? You guys got this in you. You have to pursue it, though. You have to say, Lord, speak to me. Give me words. I want to minister your words to people. And you have to ask for it. If you ask, you shall receive. If you seek, you shall find. If you knock, the door will be open to you. I've been doing this for, since 1995, and it's because of my hunger for it that God releases prophetic words to me because I have pursued it. There's many of you that are already walking in this at good levels. Some of you, you just haven't realized the degree that God wants to use you this way and you haven't pursued it. But if you'll pursue it, there's no difference between the Holy Spirit in any of us or any prophet or any person in the world and the Holy Spirit in you. He's the same Holy Spirit and he's only limited not by our strength or weakness, but by our willingness and unwillingness. It's our unwillingness that limits God, not our weakness. So that was free. Get a word for people every day. Try to. You know, ask the Lord to give you stuff for people. And he will. He'll stop you right in the middle of your tracks. Let me start with this. And Lord, please, God, direct our path today. Get us into what you want us to be into. We're wanting to encounter you, Lord. We don't want just a good word. We want the word that you have for us this morning, Lord. I, I, there's lots of things that we can talk about, but God, what is on your heart and what are you speaking? Thank you, Lord. Okay. Well, first of all, let me give my infomercial. I'm doing this because it's, I'm doing this for y'all's sake because it's so important. But, you know, the scripture says to honor your father and mother so that your days may be long in the land. Right? You know, it says that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The children of Israel were coming out of Egypt as slaves in bondage. And they were taken into a land and the Lord gave them the law. And one of the commandments, the only commandment with a promise was to honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you would live long in the land that the Lord's given you. And I think one of the ways for us to dwell in both our spiritual land, our natural geographical land, and also our physical country, how to have God bless the country that you're in, is by honoring your fathers and mothers. And let me define fathers and mothers. It's not just, it is certainly the people that gave birth to you and raised you, but it's not just them. It's our spiritual parents. 
It's our uh, founding fathers in, many, in, in the case of our country. You know, there's something about honoring our founding fathers so that we may live long in this land that God has get, given us here in the United States. And we've not done a good job of that. We as a church especially have been so slack in it that we have negated teaching and uh, learning and studying our founding fathers so that we can know them. One way you honor somebody is know them, know what they taught, know what they went through, know what they believed, figure out their lives, learn the good, bad, and ugly so that you can learn from the mistakes but, but take away the successes because all of us stand on the top of shoulders of a generation prior. Every single person is standing on the generation of people who've come before you, spiritual fathers and mothers. How many of us are walking in truth and certain things in the Lord that we didn't have, but because of the forefathers that went before us into the faith that have plowed away and have paid a price, and here we're entering into the fruit of what they've labored over. And that's the same thing for our country. You know, we have founding fathers that are being maligned right now in our country openly. They are openly maligning our found, founding fathers, and they're, and they're lying about them. And you would think they're telling the truth because it sounds right. The problem is, is when you actually go and study what they said, you find out that what people are teaching is not what, and what they're declaring that these people believed and said and did is not really what happened. You have historians today that, that repeat other historians, but they don't go back to original sources. Original source is so important because it's hard to twist what somebody's own words are. It's harder to twist someone's own words than it is to twist what someone said someone said. You ever played that game? Hey, whispers in somebody's ear, and then you share it to the next person, you whisper in the ear, and you go around the room, and, you, and then the last person that hears what was said, they say what they thought was originally said, and it was nothing like what was originally said. You ever played that game? Okay. Well, that's what goes on. You know, where the fools can be fooled because they don't know their, their, their history. They don't know their fathers. This right here is called the, Founder, the Founder's Bible. It's the heirloom edition. It's produced by um, Wall Builders, which is, he's, he's a Christian historian who has one of the greatest, uh, the largest personal um, uh, collection or library of original founding documents in our country. He is an incredible man. Uh, David Barton, his brother Tim Barton, and their ministry wall builders has done an incredible job of preserving and teaching what our founding fathers stood for. This Bible right here was the best money I've ever spent. It's $150. I know it's a lot of money for a Bible. I've never paid a lot of money for a Bible because I wear them out. But this Bible right here I am so glad I paid for it. This is the best money I have ever spent. Why? Because you go through this Bible, and it'll start with a scripture verse, and then it'll go into a side story. And it tells you about heroes of the faith who took those verses and made stands in our country. And they stood for something. We stand today in what these people paid a price for, and it's important that we get to know them and we honor them. Um, like, most people don't even know that the, you know, that the largest church in America in the 1800s was held at the Capitol. The, the, the largest church in D.C. 
was held at the Capitol building. They used to have full-time churches on Sunday in our Capitol in Washington, D.C. How many people knew that? Nobody. Okay. A lot of stuff like that, things that we think, you know, separation church and state, that's a lie. That's not true, okay? Those types of things are not true. You start reading about what the founding fathers actually wrote, what they said, what made their opinions up, and it was all word-based. Starting in 1620, when the Mayflower came here, and they made the first compact in the new, in the new world, and everything about it had God all over, and they, they literally spelled out God and Jesus Christ in their compact of how they're going to govern themselves in this new world. And they came here for the glory of Jesus Christ so that the gospel would be spread and there would be freedom to preach the gospel not only to, the, to what they call, you know, the, the, the term they used for the Native Americans were savages. They were just people who weren't, um, that's just the word that was used back then. It sounds much crueler than it actually was back then. That was the word that every common Englishman used for a, a Native American. It was the term they used. But they wanted to reach the, the so-called savages, the people who were un- uh, learned about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they came here to spread the gospel and to flee persecution. So this is an incredible resource. I cannot encourage you enough to get it. I have learned so much stuff by, because the writings of these guys are tucked away in certain books of the Bible in this Bible so that to help us understand that. So this is really a great resource. If you're interested in getting it, it really will change your, your understanding of our country and our fathers. And so that's that. Um, the next thing that they produce is the American story. There are a lot of great books that tell us about our history and how God was all over it. I don't think, you know, other than maybe Israel, I don't know of a nation in the world that has had the providence of God on it like this country. And we are so uneducated to it, but you can get educated. You, you will not be open to the, the lies of these people who are spreading misinformation and trying to reteach history if you actually learn the original history. And the way you do that is by learning it from original sources. Don't learn about what somebody says George Washington said or did. Learn what George Washington literally said and did. We have, his, we have records of things that he wrote. We don't have to wonder about what so-and-so said or did. We can go back to the original source and find out what they said or did. This is a great book with footnotes in the back where everything was taken from, and the majority of the footnotes go to things back in the 1800s and the 1700s, some in the 1600s, 1500s. This is a well-laid-out book. I encourage you to get it. Learn your history, okay? Next thing and the last thing before I get into something. You can get a copy of one of these. This one here has the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States. Okay? You can get this. How many people, don't raise your hand, but have never read the Constitution? Don't raise your hand. Okay? How do, this is the law of our land here in the United States. How do we know if people are living according to the law of our country if you don't know the law of our country. Every law that we pass in this country is supposed to line up with this. Let me read one to you. Amendment one. You know what, thing, you know what the thing is about one? It's usually the, f- the first thing is the most important. 
You get that wrong, you get everything else wrong. If you're building a house, you better get your foundation right because if you build on top of bad foundation, you're in trouble. Amendment one, Congress shall make no law respecting establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people to peacefully to assemble and to petition their government for redress of grievances. You know how many of these, in that one amendment, you know how many things are being broken right now in our country as we speak? Christians are being locked up in, in, uh, in certain cities across our nation for singing in their own parking lot right now. This says that we have the right to assemble. It says that they, the government cannot go against us expressing our religious freedom. Its exact wording was, it could not prohibit the free exercise thereof. Our, the way we, our conscience leads us to worship God, the government cannot go against that according to this Constitution, and that's being broken all over our country. If you don't know your amendments, you're not going to be able to stand up and fight for them. So you can get these in stores. I encourage you to all get one and read it. If you, the good thing about this Bible, it's got all this in the back. You can go through it and look at it. It's got so much. It's a world of wealth. That was all free, but that was entering into the one message that I'm not going to do. So, <laughs> um, But that's how we can honor our fathers and mothers is by getting to know them, hear what they said, and it, we need to do that. Amen? All right. I was hoping for a loud amen there. Hey, there we go. All right. Um, so how's everybody doing? This is going to be a quick one. This is not going to be a long one, I think. You've heard that before. Um, turn over to Matt. Well, you, if you want to, turn over to Matthew 16. You know, there are keys that God has given us to help release his will into our life. God's will in our life just doesn't automatically happen. It doesn't. God's sovereign, but in his sovereignty, he gave man authority over the earth. We have talked about this a thousand times. God has sovereignly chose that the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. Okay, that's why Jesus had to become a man, because man got us in this mess, and a man had to get us out, so Jesus became a man, and he took our punishment upon the cross, and he overcame as a man. And so we have to understand that. And so there's certain things that we experience in this life that aren't God's will for our life, but it's just a, it's just a manifestation of authority not being exercised into our life. You know, if you remove a gardener from a garden, what do you get? Weeds. It's the natural state of things. All of us got a few million weeds growing in our heart. We do. We got things wrong with us. We got wrong understanding. We got things that we think are right and they're not. But if you don't get a gardener in there to pull them weeds out, they're going to be there. And the same thing, we have to weed our soul. We have to weed our mind. You know, be renewed by the transforming of your mind, the scripture says. And the scripture says, talks about Ephesians 5, having been washed with the water of the word. Getting in this word will absolutely transform your life. It, it, it will wash you. It will cleanse you. It will change your mindsets. It will get you thinking the ways you should be thinking, not the ways that you do think. You know, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. When our mind begins to get transformed and we start thinking like God thinks, things start changing and things get better. And there's things that we all deal with that are the result of not 
exercising and agreeing, really, with God. There's ways that God wants us to agree with him. Now, Matthew 16, 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Okay, so Jesus was giving Peter, at this point, the keys to the kingdom. These are the, you know, if you really look at this, I really believe that what he's referring to here is the same keys in Isaiah 22, 22, when it says that the Lord would put on you, on the house of David, talking about the keys of David, he'd put on his shoulder the keys of the house of David, what, he, what door he opens, no man could shut, and what he shut, no man can open. Wouldn't you like to have something that you could open up in your life that no enemy could shut down? Wouldn't you like to have some things that you could shut out of your life that no man could open up? Well, we got the keys. Jesus has given us the keys to that. What we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and what we loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. Right? So Matthew 18, 18, this is amazing to me. I've, I've jumped a chapter. This was so important that Jesus had to repeat himself. So we jump over a whole couple chapters. We, we were in 16. Now we've missed, skipped 17. We go to 18, uh, 18. And in 18, 18, he says, Truly I say to you, whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, verse 19, that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For, there, for where two or three have gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. He repeats himself. Why would Jesus repeat himself? Don't you know that when Jesus says it twice, he was really serious. <laughs> he was serious the first time. But he repeats himself. I think that's amazing. In the same book, Jesus says the same thing to the disciples at a different time. This was so important. He, he realized, I think, man, these guys aren't getting it. They need to understand what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The authority that God has given us is amazing, but we don't understand it. We don't know about it. We don't know how to use it in general terms, most believers. And I'm in, that, I'm in the process of discovering this. I'm not claiming to have all this worked out, but I know Jesus meant what he said and that this is true. Jesus doesn't have to lie. He's the son of God. He's not a liar. If he says something, it's true. What we bind on earth will be bound in heaven and what we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I love the, the next verse. And he says to you, that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. There is a power of agreement and we understand from the scriptures, I believe it's in Deuteronomy where it says, one will put a thousand to flight, but two will put Ten thousands. So we know that there's a multiplication when there's unity that comes together. Unity is so powerful that the Tower of Babel, God had to come down and divide their language because he said they have become one and anything that they set their mind to do, they shall accomplish. And so he came down and he actually divided their language to break their unity. Otherwise, everything they would have wanted to do would have been accomplished. Isn't that amazing? The power of a bunch of heathens that were rebelling against God. God told them to spread out over a whole earth, and they said, no, we're going to stay in one place and make a name for ourselves and build a tower so high that it's going to reach into the heavens. 
Many believe they were rebelling against God because of the flood. They wanted to make sure God couldn't wipe them out again. But regardless, we do know that God told them to spread out, and they weren't spreading out. And what they were doing was, even in their rebellion, was so powerful because of their unity that God had to divide their language to break their unity to keep them from accomplishing the thing that they wanted to do. There's power in unity. It's important to find that brother or sister that you can really connect with. It's not a fake relationship. It's a real, you can be real, and y'all can really agree over some things. Find somebody you can agree with. Get in unity about when in your prayers. But what I want to talk to you today about briefly is really agreeing with God. What happens if we agree with one another, God says that he will answer it. What happens when we agree with him? When we agree with God, power gets released on another level. Why is that? Because God will, God's will is always accomplished. God's always going to have his will done. Now, it may not happen when, we, when you know, the, his ultimate will will always be accomplished. And so what the Lord's been speaking to me about a lot lately is learning how to make sure that I'm agreeing with what God says and I'm speaking what God says and I'm not disagreeing with him. And usually when we're disagreeing with God, it's usually by accident. Y'all know what I mean? You're like, you, you have things that you're doing that are actually contrary to the word, maybe things you're believing, things you're saying out loud, you know, that are contrary to the word, but yet you, you're not really making a mental note that, oh man, I shouldn't say that. Man, I shouldn't, why am I thinking this way? But the word comes in and it challenges us and it gets us to rethink what we're agreeing to or not agreeing to. Let me tell it to you like this. I had a dream years ago. In this dream, I was in this room and the presence of God was in the room. I could feel God's presence in the room. And there were angels everywhere. I could physically see them in this dream. And as I'm standing there, I'm just overwhelmed by the glory of God. I mean, it, it felt like heaven. And it was so awesome, so amazing. And I'm, I'm just getting caught up in the utopia of being in God, with God and his angels. And then all of a sudden, I hear a voice whisper, and y'all have heard this, but I've heard a voice whisper in my ear. And I started listening, considering what was being said to me. And all of a sudden, as I'm considering it, the shift in the atmosphere changed. All of a sudden, it goes from great light to pitch darkness. I could not see my hand in front of my face, but I could hear the screeches of demons, and I could feel their presence, and it was evil. And it was all of a sudden going from glory to hell. It was terrible. And I'm having a panic attack all of a sudden, like, what just happened? And all of a sudden, it hits me. Whose voice was I listening to? And when I began to realize that it was, oh my gosh, I am listening to the enemy. And when I broke agreement, I said, I break agreement with that. I don't believe that in Jesus' name. And I just began to break agreement with what was being whispered in my ear. And when I did, instantly, I'm back in the presence of the Lord. The angels are there. The demons are gone. Nothing has changed geographically, but everything has changed. The reality that we walk in in our lives is the direct result of whose voice you listen to. So I'm going to say it again. The reality that we experience in our life is the direct result of the voice that we listen to. Satan is constantly trying to get our ear 
And when we listen to him, it opens up the door for what he wants. I'm going to give you an example. Fear. Fear will always get you in the wrong place at the wrong time, doing the wrong thing with the wrong people. <laughs> Fear is like the enemy's attempt to cut us off from the purpose of God. And when we listen to those fears, we're agreeing with Satan that somehow God don't got us. That's an example of how we can listen. Like, for instance, you know, just to be real, I, you know, sometimes, you know, I've been terrified of speaking in front of people most of my life. I've had to overcome that voice and stop listening to that voice. When I was asked to go share at Morningstar a few months back in Charlotte, I hadn't ever shared at Morningstar before, at least not since they were in the new building. I mean, it was like, you know, pre-2004. I hadn't shared in their new building. And I was pretty scared. Shouldn't have been. Shouldn't have cared what anybody thought, but I do. I'm getting free from it, but I ain't totally free from it. I felt the effect of the whisper of the voice. What if you get up there and blow it? What if this really stinks it up? What if you stink it up in front of all these people? Now, first of all, I realize that that's wrong thinking. I shouldn't care about what anybody thinks. Am I doing what God told me to do? If I am, I am, and who cares what else happens? But I was nervous. But what I was able to do was to say, you know what? That's the, that's the enemy's voice. I'm not going to agree with that. My father sent me. He set this thing up. He's going to go with me, and he's going to meet me here. And I said to myself what the scripture says, I would have despaired unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have despaired unless I had believed. Psalms 127, or Psalms 27, I think it's Psalms 27. I would have despaired. A lot of us sometimes despair, we're feeling despair, and we would give ourselves to it except for we stop to believe God. We've stopped to rethink about what his word says. Now, so important agreeing with God. It is the key to, to receiving everything that God has for you. But you can't, you can't believe God, you can't agree with God if you don't know what God says. That's why it's imperative to wear these things out. Wear them out. This is his word. This is the God of the universe, and he has given you his word we need to wear this stuff out so that we're fully equipped, prepared to counter every lie that the enemy does because that's what Jesus did. When the enemy came and said, and that little sneaky devil, he even tried to use God's word. He said, oh, it's written. He'll command his angels concerning you. They'll guard you in all your ways. They'll lift you up in their hands so you don't cast your foot against the stone. And Jesus, being pretty good at what he does, said, it is also written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. He had a word to counter the, the enemy's lies. Where did he get that? He got it from the word. He was repeating what was spoken in the book of Moses. Okay, so every time the enemy comes, uh, we need to be able to counter what he's saying with what God's word says. So you got to know this stuff in order to be able to do that. And the way you do it is just start, not out of pressure, but just start spending time in it. Take time every day to feed on this. Even if it's five, ten minutes, start with that. You know, you'll grow in it, and it'll get, you'll, you know, if you're faithful with five and ten minutes, next thing you know, you'll be spending 30. And the next thing you know, you'll be spending an hour. And then next thing you know, you'll be trying to get into it every time you can. I've been doing this all my adult life. I've made a commitment to get with God and to read his word every day. 
And it's by the grace of God that I, that I did that, but I did do it. And I can promise you as having, you know, I'm 46, so this has been at least about 26 years or, or 25 years of my life devouring this every day. And I'm so thankful because it has shaped me and formed me and made me into the person that I am becoming. Without doing that, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. His word is forever settled in heaven, but when we establish it in here, then we can establish it out here. You can't take and give away what you don't have. So we have to get into the word, okay? Y'all know that, but I feel like the Lord wants to encourage us to get back. Now, here's where I want to to go with this. Y'all remember, I think I shared this last week. For those that weren't here, I'm going to share it again, so be patient with me through this story. Um... I want to talk a little bit about healing and how to see healing come when you haven't been seeing it come, okay? A lot of us need healing physically. And sometimes it can be a fight to see things come that don't, you know, you're believing God for something, but you don't see it. But back in December, and I shared this last week, so once again, be patient. Um, in December of last year, I was just kind of over it. I have been struggling with my chest and my shoulder and my back and some injuries that I've had, that different things that had happened that kind of culminated all together and just kind of made me start with having a lot of pain and uh, things I couldn't do anymore. If I do, it would cause pain. And I was really frustrated with it because I've been believing, trying to believe God for healing for, for a long time and wasn't seeing real success. And then I was just crying out to the Lord one back last December. It's like, Lord, I am about to go to the doctor. I'm gonna go to the doctor and I'm gonna get this fixed. I said, but, cause I'm tired of this. I said, but Lord, I really, 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 really wanna get this by faith. I know what your word says. Your word says that uh, all things you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received and it shall be granted to you. I wanna walk in that, Lord. This is important to me that I walk in your promises. But Lord, if, I don't, if you don't do something, I'm going to the doctor. And I looked over at my clock, and my clock's in military time, and it was 11.23, which is a, a mark, could be Mark 11.23 if you wanted to go there. Um, but it was 23.23 because it was military time. And when I saw my clock as I'm praying this, I had this thought come in my head. That's the Greek Strong's word, 23.23. Now, there's a strongest concordance in the Bible that tells you every single word that's written in it and what it's, and it takes you back to the original writings, like in the New Testament's Greek and the Old Testament's Hebrew, and it has a, a letter assigned to each word and then definitions that help explain what that word meant in the original language, okay? Does that make sense? So I saw that this came over me. I had no idea what the strongest Greek word 2323 is, Okay? But I did just like what I'm doing right now. I pulled my phone out, went to my Bible app, I hit my search button, punched in G, which stands for Greek, 2323, and I hit search. First thing pops up, Matthew 4:23, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in all their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing, Greek 2323, all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. The Greek word 2323 is therapua, or I'm probably butchering that, but it's the word meaning healing. Every time you see Jesus healing somebody, it's that word being used. 
And he says in this verse where it's used, Greek 23, 23, the first scripture that pops up, and healing all manners of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. How many, everybody say all. All. I'm praying, asking God to heal me because I wanted to get this by faith and not by getting it through man because that's where my heart is. Don't lecture me about wanting to, wanting to grow in my faith. I want to grow in my faith. I know what's there. I want to experience this. I'm praying for God to do this to me, and I get this word when I look at my clock, and I look it up not knowing what the word says, and it's Greek 2323, healing. How many know that's a word from the Lord? So I got encouraged, and a few months went behind. I don't feel any better. <laughs> Lord, hey, I would do this. Lord, 23, 23, what's the deal? Months go by, I began to forget it. Y'all know this story, but I'm telling it for those, Yeah, you know, I go to Sam's, I got guests coming in, I go to op- get a thing of eggs, I open the, the door, I pull out this clear case of eggs, it has clear plastic that they were in, front, bottom, and top, so you can see the, all the eggs. It's not like it was a carton that you have to open up that had cardboard. This was a clear plastic cart, top and bottom. Y'all know the kind I'm talking about? And I'm checking every one. Cracks, cracks, leaks, every egg good? Okay, every egg's good, good, check. Put it in the buggy. Go to the car after getting all my stuff. I go to stick the eggs in the back of my car and it's missing an egg. And I'm like, what the heck? And I'm just like... I'm confused because I stood with there with the door open checking all my eggs to make sure there wasn't a crack. How is it possible that I missed an egg not being in the case? And I'm like scratching my head. So I go to the service desk and I say, look, this is missing an egg. And they say, go get another one. So I set it down on our desk. I go back to the same section. I pull out the same clear case of eggs. And all of a sudden, I'm looking through this case and I'm like, all right, every single egg is accounted for. Check. Absolutely zero cracks. All the eggs are good. Check. All right, this is, this is kosher. Let's take it. All right, so I go back out. I stick it in the car. I drive home. I'm getting out of my car. Y'all know Sam's don't have bags. You have to just, if you don't put it in a bag, you have to carry it in one by one. And my wife, she has all the Sam's bags in her car, and I went, so I had no bags. So I'm walking up into the house, and I look down at my eggs, and it's missing an egg. And I'm like, Okay, God, all right, all right, you're speaking. This is impossible. There's no way that I missed this twice. It is impossible. The first time, I don't think so, but okay, maybe. Second time, absolutely not. Because I was sitting there with people in line waiting on me, and I wasn't moving. my, my, My butt was in the door, the air conditioner's coming out, and I'm checking. Top and bottom. No cracks, got all my eggs, check. What is the deal? I don't know. I'm like, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? Have some guests come in town. I had actually bought the eggs to fix them breakfast. Uh, And so I was sharing with them about it. And they said, well, how many eggs is in the thing? I said, I don't know. Let's go check. Well, there were 24 cases, uh, 24 eggs in a case. And so you take one away. What do you got? And there were two 23, the first one, 23, the second one, 23, 23. Now, here's what you may not know. Eggs, for me, when I would get eggs in prophetic symbolism because of a word that Bob Jones had years ago, they spoke of the promises of God, 
okay? So God's promises, his eggs, 23-23 of healing. God was confirming to me that his will is to heal and he wants us to experience healing every time. He healed them all. So what do we do? You know, you, first you have to know it's his will because if you, he said, whosoever says to the mountain, be taken up and cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to pass, it shall be granted to him. Then he says, all things you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it shall be granted to you. How can you believe God for something that you're not convinced is his will? If you're not convinced that God wants you well, how can you believe him for healing? You can't. It leaves you in a place of suspense and doubt. Is God really want, does God want me well? If, you can't, if you're still struggling with that question, God wants to end that today. He wants you well. He wants you healed. It's not his will that you would suffer. It's not his will that you would be in sickness. Remember the lady with the, that, was, that was bent over? And the Lord healed her on the Sabbath day and the Pharisees were mad at him because he healed on the Sabbath. And what did Jesus say? This daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound these long 14 years, should she not be set free on the Sabbath day? Well, that tells me some things. One, the Lord saw this woman who was suffering under the, because of the enemy because Jesus said that Satan had bound her. 14 years, this daughter of Abraham was suffering a condition for 14 years. And Jesus shows up and says, it's not God, it wasn't God's will for her to be bound up like this. But someone showed up on the scene that was going to agree with God. He knew the Father's will, and he healed her on the Sabbath day. You can't ascertain healing if, you don't, if you're not convinced it's absolutely God's will for you to be healed. First point. Second point, once you're there, now you're ready to fight because there's a fight involved sometimes. Sometimes you just get them instant healings, and I love that. Sometimes you got to fight for it because this is the clash of two kingdoms. This is us going against things that the enemy has released. Remember that example I just gave? Satan had bound this lady for 14 long years, and she was a daughter of Abraham. Many of you are... Our sons and daughters are Abraham, and you've been struggling with conditions for long periods of time. Don't be convinced that it's just God's will for you to do that. Satan had bound her for 14 years. But Jesus showed up on the scene, and he broke the power of the enemy. He began to release the, the power of heaven over this daughter of Abraham, and she got set free. And so we have to have, take that same stance. We have to realize that sometimes we have to kick the enemy out of our bodies. How do you do that? Well, I'm tell you what I've been doing. I started agreeing with God. This is how you agree with God. I get up in the morning. I've, I've incorporated this with my communion. I've shared this, uh, I think it was last week or a week before. But this is how we agree with God. I incorporated communion, which, you know, is Jesus told the Apostle Paul, he had some kind of encounter according to 1 Corinthians, uh, I think it's 11.2, where he said he received his revelation about communion directly from the Lord, it appeared in the passage. But the Lord told him, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. 
there is something about remembering what Jesus did at the cross. And when we begin to take communion, we're remembering. We're, oh man, Lord, you died for my sins. You also died for my sickness. Father, thank you for your word and what you promised. And I start looking back at what the breakings do and I start going through the word of God and I incorporate this before I take communion. I start declaring what God's word says. If you give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, giving ears to his commandment, keeping all his statues, I will put none of the diseases upon you that I have put upon the Egyptians for I, the Lord, am your healer. I, the Lord, am your healer. That's the very first thing that he told the children of Israel when, he, when they crossed over from the Red Sea. The first thing. He is their healer. He wants us to know that. So I declare what God says. You're my healer. Scripture says he sent forth his word and healed them. These scriptures that I'm quoting right now, it's easy because I do it every day. <laughs> I quote this over my life. I quote this over my body. Scripture says, if the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit which indwells you. Lord, I'm agreeing with you today. I have life in my body. My body is whole. It is strong in the name of Jesus because your spirit, the spirit that raised the dead Christ from the dead, when he was dead, there was no life in it. And the spirit that came in that tomb and brought him up from the grave is now living inside of me and it's giving life to my mortal body according to your word in the name of Jesus. And I began to agree with what God says. My my body says, you're sick. You got pain. Something's wrong with you. No, I'm not. I got life living in me by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm agreeing with God. I'm rejecting the lie that my body's telling me. Don't we know what the scripture told Abraham? It says about Abraham. Abraham, being full of faith, considered not his own body, but regarded the promises. Some of you need to stop listening to your body. I know that's hard because your body can scream pretty loud. But start disagreeing with it. When you feel pain, say, Lord, I know I feel pain right now, but I thank you that life is working in me right now in the name of Jesus. You just agreed with God. We have to agree with God. So I go through the scriptures and I take it. And I remember Isaiah 53 says he carried my pains. He carried my pain. He carried my pain. He doesn't want, you don't have to have arthritis and old age pain. Now you can if you want to, but God's made a way. It's in the blood. It's in the covenant. It's in, he wants you well. And so it says he was pierced for my transgressions. He was crushed with my iniquity and the punishment that brought me peace fell upon him. And by his scourging, we were healed. I say we were because Peter quotes that verse and he says were. Isaiah says we are are healed because he was looking ahead to the cross but the cross now i'm doing communion i'm looking lord you said you were this bread was broken is your body it was broken for me lord you are broken you were broken for me by your scourging i am healed i am healed today i'm declaring to you father i agree with you and i'm breaking agreement with my pain i'm breaking agreement with my body and i'm declaring what your word says that you are my healer and that you were broken for me. Thank you for this bread. Nom, nom, nom. And then I raise that cup and I say, thank you, Lord. This is the blood of the new covenant. 
that was poured out for many for forgiveness of sin. Lord, I am new. My sins, though they may be as scarlet, they are washed away and they're white as snow. I am free. I am free. I am free. I'm a new covenant, new creation, born again, filled with the Spirit of God. I have been saved by your grace and by the blood of Jesus that's poured out for me. I accept your gift at the cross, and I love it because I've just communed with him. And, I, and, I'm, and, and in the end of that passage that Paul was talking about in St. Corinthians, he says, as often as you do this, you're declaring his death until he comes. You're declaring the power that was released in his death and his resurrection. And so I'm agreeing with God, and I go through the scriptures, and I do that. I agree with God. So today, guys, start agreeing with God. When it comes to healing, agree with God. It, you don't have to see it to believe it. All things you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it shall be granted to you. If you know English, you got to believe you got it in that verse before it's granted to you. It's just what it says. It's not my words, that's Jesus's. All th Mark eleven twenty three. all things you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it shall be granted to you. He's saying believe you got something he, ain't, he hasn't released to you yet. Call those things that are not as though they were. We, need, we got things in our life we need to begin to declare the word of God over and we start agreeing with God over. When he says your business is thriving, you need to declare your business is thriving. I'm learning that. I've learned that. I'm learning that the hard way. You better get up and start declaring or you going to go down, buddy. <laughs> I started declaring and all of a sudden there was a turnaround. My phone started ringing. Jobs started coming in. I, and I was like, man, Lord, why have I not been doing this? You idiot. <laughs> declare, declare, declare. Declare to your body, declare to your business, declare to your finances, declare to your lost kids, declare to you the relationships that have been broken. I, I'll just be honest with you, I, my daughter Alexa, she says she pays attention really well when she's on her phone, it just kind of helps her focus, so, um, okay, I believe you. We're believing God for her eyesight. She don't have perfect vision, but in the name of Jesus, Alexa has perfect vision, his word is life to them that find it and health to all their flesh. That's what the word says. So I declare that over me. I'm declaring it over my daughter. I'm declaring it. I may not see it right away, but that doesn't mean I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to consider not her body. I'm not considering my own body, just like Abraham considered not his own body, but regarded the promises. Don't go by what you see, because if you go by what you see, you're going to doubt, and if you doubt, you're not going to receive you receive by believing you got something that you don't have because you do have it because it was accomplished at the cross 2,000 years ago. It's like everything you need has been provided, but we have to reach up by faith and grab it and pull it down. That's why the scripture says, pray like this, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You have to pull it down. It doesn't just fall into your lap. It comes from us agreeing with what our Father has promised us. Now, if you're not having something that God's words promised you, God's not going to go out there and just give it to you. He's not. Look at the children of Israel. God said that they're our example, that, he, that all these things were written for us upon whom the end of the ages have come. They are our example, and they had to go in and fight and drive the enemy out of the promised land. They had to drive the enemy out. They had to go in with sword. Well, what's our sword? Taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and declare it. As Bob Weiner says, the devil will get the point every time. <laughs> declare God's Word. That's what Jesus did when he began to resist the devil. When the devil was tempting him, he quoted Scripture back to him. We have to learn how to wage war and the weapons of our warfare and our carnal, but are mighty through God of the pulling down of strongholds. That main one right there is the sword of the Spirit. Pick it up. Use it. You're, if you're not speaking it, you're not using it. If you're not declaring, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. you got to say it. It's not enough to think it. Say it. Declare it. Speak it over and over and over again. And in doing so, you're agreeing with God and you stop agreeing with the devil and something starts to turn around. Now, you notice this is awesome, and I've shared this before, and I'm done with this, I think. Uh, when Jesus cursed the fig tree, which is what we see in Mark 11, he was leaving the temple. He cursed this fig tree, and he goes on his way. Now, you, there's, this is shared in two different gospels, I believe. It may be more, but there, there's two examples of this. But in one of the passages, he curses it, and you can tell by the one passage, I think it was Mark, but it may have been the other one. When he comes back in the morning, the disciples are like, look, Lord, the, the tree you cursed. Well, what does that tell you? When Jesus cursed the tree that night when he was leaving the temple, leaving Jerusalem, he cursed it, he's looking at the tree, and it doesn't look like anything had happened. When they come back the next day, they notice that the fig tree had withered. It didn't wither instantly. But it did. When Jesus spoke it, something began to take place on the inside, and that thing began to die. But you couldn't see it because it had to work its way out. How do you know God's not working on the inside and you just don't see it yet? You have to stand. You have to agree. Don't abort your babies, your promises. Don't abort your promises early by saying God's not coming through for me. He left me behind. That's that orphan spirit. You're not orphans. You're, you're childs of the king. You're not an orphan. He doesn't give dusty crackers for you. He's got good promises for you. If the scripture is clear that under the old covenant, if you would give earnest heed to the voice of your Lord your God and do his right in his sight and give ears to his commandment, keep all his statues, that I will put none of the diseases upon you that I put upon the Egyptians, for I the Lord and your healer. That's to the Israelites under the old covenant. Hebrews 8 says that we have a better promises enacted on a better covenant. So our promises and our covenant are totally different. We have greater promises. We should be seeing much more than what the children of Israel said. And it said, forget Psalms, forget not, none of his benefits. He forgives all my iniquities. He heals all my diseases. He redeems my life from the pit and crowns me with loving kindness and compassion. I love this next part. He satisfies my years with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagle. Ain't that right? So that's what we got to do, guys. We got to stay on this word and not give up. I want to encourage us every day, stand on his word Get into it every day. Declare it over your body. Wherever you're seeing lack, know that that's not God's best. There is no lack in heaven. 
God doesn't want lack in you. Wherever you see lack, begin to declare the promises of God in those areas, and you will see a turnaround if you, if you don't grow weary in well-doing. I promise. Now, the scripture says, with faith and patience, you inherit the promises. Many times, our faith and patience aren't put together. Patience means it might not happen. It might not. Sometimes it does. But sometimes you got to stand on stuff for a long time. I've, I've had promises that, good gosh, the Lord spoke to me in 2003 that I was going to pastor a church for Morningstar at the beach in Wilmington. And I didn't move here until 2017 when the Lord released me to come. And I didn't start pastoring until 2019. I needed some patience to go with my faith. <laughs> sometimes you don't see the promises right away. But the scripture says, the word of the Lord tested Joseph. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Stand, 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 and you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have despaired unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen? All right. Well, that was message two. I didn't do message one. <laughs> so praise the Lord. Lord, we just love you. We ask for your grace to come on us, to empower us, to stand in your word, Lord, to not be moved away, to stay in this word, to not allow circumstances and situations to start whispering in our ears, Lord, where we begin to question what your word says concerning us, Lord, but help us to stand firm, picking up the shield of faith, which quenches all the fiery darts of the enemy, and taking up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and begin to stand against what the enemy is saying to us and reject those lies. So, Lord, we ask for your grace right now to grow in this, to, to practice this, to use this in our lives so that we can agree with you because, Lord, nothing you say is impossible and everything you say will come about if we combine it with faith. According to Hebrews 3, it says that, we will, that all these promises didn't help them because they did not combine it with faith. They heard, but they didn't believe. You got to hear and believe. And so, Lord, we ask for grace to hear and believe in the name of Jesus. Amen.